Right, Mark, this week I'm kicking off the episode with a, a fact. Um, I'll burn in a fact early. So the scientific fear of Friday the 13th actually has a name, and it's called Frigga Calidia Phobia. Um, and it's derived from the Norse god Frigg, which means Friday, and Greek Trisideca, which means 13. Um, it is a real fear that affects millions of people worldwide, so much so airlines report a 30% drop-off in travel on that day. Wow. And what, uh, incredible. And one in five businesses suffer higher sick days on Friday the 13th than they do on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. That's amazing. Are you a superstitious person? No, not at all. No, I'm not either. Not even like in the slightest. No, I am Mr. Cross a path of a cat, walk under a ladder, run across three drains and yeah, yeah. I don't I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It's very strange that people live their life this way thinking that if they walk under a ladder. Like just think when a ladder was invented. Yeah, a long time ago. Do you know ago. what I mean? Like, no, well, not necessarily a long time ago. What I mean is, like, a ladder. Like, who one day walked under it and was like, ooh, that's going to give me bad luck. Yeah, that's dangerous. I'm not doing that again. Who ever which like... weirdo saw a black cat and was like, oh, because it's all black. Oh, racists. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Before you forget, you want to die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry, man, I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best day of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. But you didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that didn't work. The more listeners we have, the worse that's going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new boat. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have... Um... Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Mate, I can't believe you don't know Idle Hands. I'm going to ram my foot down his fucking throat. <laughs> it was awesome. It fucking <laughs> wasn't awesome. Hello, this is the You Run Podcast. My name is Scott. Uh, my name is Mark. And we are an interactive horror movie review show. Um, kicking things off with an apology for my piss poor editing last week um, that saw the opening conversation covered not only by our intro music, but also the quiz music that all played simultaneously. <laughs> Dude, what are you doing? Um, I, I have no defence whatsoever. Um, I edited it really, really late at night and I didn't check it. I went, it'll be fine. Can you go back and re-edit that stuff now? Uh, not without taking the episode down. And by the time I realised we were already in high number listeners, I didn't want to take it down and put it back up again. Oh, it's a good job you're in charge of that shit, man, because my OCD would go through the roof. I would have to rectify that immediately. Yeah, I I just let it go. I got loads of messages going. I got a message. I'm not going to say who from, but I got a message going, were you on drugs when you edited the start of this episode? <laughs> But I was, and that was the first message I got. I was like, no, why? And then they messaged back, you need to listen to the intro. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, ooh, that doesn't no. sound good. But we've well, we had are re- usually pretty professional most weeks. Yeah. And we've had really high listeners. So maybe I should just continue to fuck it up and the listeners will stay high. <laughs> um, if you're new to 
the horror movie review show. Uh, we review horror movies, funnily enough. Um, we're an interactive show as well, and there's lots of things you can get involved in, mainly through our Instagram and our TikTok. I try with Twitter, but people on Twitter don't really like to play for some reason. Uh, we give you a walk through the movie, uh, tell you what we liked and what we didn't like before getting into our thoughts and our scores. Um, and then we send you on your merry way and let you enjoy your day. We have regular guests. We have me and Mark. We play games. We have quizzes. We have quizzes, Mark, don't we? We do. We do. But we do. we're not having quizzes today, though, are we, Scott? I, I can neither confirm nor deny whether a quiz may appear in this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, as we do every week, we have we kick things off with a feature called Recommended Account of the Week. Um, before we do that, I want to give a birthday shout out that I missed last week. So this is one of our listeners and former guest on the show, uh, Joe Quinn Films, who celebrated her 19th birthday last week. So happy birthday from me and Mark. Oh, happy birthday. Um, I'm I'm terrible at like picking up on stuff like that on Instagram and things. I, I forget relatives. I forget Lisa's birthday. Lisa's birthday is like in a few days and guaranteed it will be the day before she'll go you know, it's my birthday. And I'll go, of course I do. I've got a site visit today. And then I'll frantically go out to town to try and find something for her. Yeah, it's my mother's 60th birthday on Tuesday. So the day after this episode comes out, which for a bit of context, we record this on a Friday. So we're like four days away from my mother's 60th birthday. My wife's like for weeks and weeks and weeks been like, we need to sort this present out. She's like, I'm going to go and buy some. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll get it. It's important. I get it. It's her big birthday. It's a big deal. Like, it should be something that comes from me. <laughs> She's getting a card and a box of chocolates, isn't she? Fuck. Like, four <laughs> days away. And I have immediately regretted making the decision to try and be forthright. Like, I will do this myself. She, she's getting petrol station flowers on the way to her house. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting to the point now where it's going to be too late to turn around to my wife and say, can you sort this out? Because she'd be like, no, fuck you. I tried to sort this out weeks ago. Yeah, that would be when your wife went, you, you made your bed. You fucking lie yeah. at it. You sort it out. Yeah. So if you'll be getting whatever crap I can palm off as a nice gift throughout my office. <laughs> so she, she, she's getting some nice 80s retro VHS horror movies. She's getting a collection of the greatest hits of Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do recommended account. Recommended account of the week. So this week's recommended account of the week is Tasha Scribbles 87. Tasha is a previous guest of the show and a great friend of the show as well. Um, she's been on before. You before the last episode she came on, she was with Angel from Voices of the Mausoleum. That's correct, right? Yes, and then she. Can't remember what we did. Uh, Wreck. Oh, we did. We did Wreck. Fantastic yeah. episodes. Go back and check out Wreck. Really, really a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, we need to get Tasha back on. Actually, we should. Yeah, we should get her back on for something coming up in the future. Um, yeah, the uh, and Angel. I'm... And Angel. Yeah, of course. Um, the reason why I'm recommending Tasha's account this week is because Tasha is branching out into the world of internet. Um, she's developing a website called The Sinister Scoop. Now, the reason I feel like this is going to be relevant to everybody listening is because she is inviting people from all across the horror universe to get involved and, and showcase what they're kind of bringing to the table, whether that be reviews or podcasts or... I don't know, anything, anything you can yeah. think of. She's basically trying to get everybody involved and create a, a platform where everybody can be involved and share 
share their own thoughts and opinion on, on a genre that we all love so much. Um, yeah, and it's also going to have, because um, I spoke to Tash the other day, it's also going to have lots of horror movie news yes, as well, yeah. which is good, because if she keeps it up to date enough, it means I don't need to go and research for news the week anymore. I'll just <laughs> <Exactly>. go and look. <laughs> just go and scroll exactly. their site. Thanks, Tash. So she's going to make out. She'll make our job a hell of a lot easier if we can get this off the ground. And and I think it's one of those things where we as an audience would massively benefit from, from something like this. I mean, we have stuff where we have bloody disgusting and eye horror, etc. But this is going to be more of a community-based website where people who are close to one another can get involved and, and, and be a part of it. And And I think that's what makes this special because this isn't just this isn't just a mass-produced website. This is something that we as a community who are all involved with one another and we all know each other by name or by account will all be involved in. And I, and I think this is going to be something that's really, really good. So yeah. if you do feel like you are worthy enough to be involved that website or you want to just know more about it and where you can, can check it out and, and, and subscribe to it and, and be up to date with everything that comes out with it each week, then you can go and find Tasha at Tasha Scribbles 87 on Instagram. She is on every other plethora of platforms, TikTok, Twitter, and all the rest of it. But I unfortunately don't venture outside of my comfort zone. So, <laughs> so you only get Instagram from me, I'm afraid. But yes, please go and find Tasha. Let her know that you're interested. And I'm sure she will send you all the information you need regarding this uh, this website she's working on. But I, I have high hopes for it. I think it's going to be very, very good. Yeah, I, I do as well. And, um, and Tasha, I'll be in touch shortly to get you on for an episode because it's quite overdue now to be fair this week we have a great episode lined up um as we dive into the second outing for everyone's favorite mama's boy and no it's not me it's um it's jason (laughs) Voorhees. uh friday the 13th part two was released in 1981 and directed by steve minner and here is the trailer on a june night in 1980 friday the 13th Twelve of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. Fourteen. All doomed. You're all doomed. have the first say of the movie with your scores uh these have done a sliding scale on instagram scoring between one and ten 
one being really bad. I, I don't need to explain how one to ten works. If you don't get one to ten, <laughs> then there's some serious issues. Um, this week, you've scored Friday the 13th Part 2 a seven out of ten. Um, our scores are going to remain under wraps until the end of the episode. Uh, we've also got some incredible movie facts and lots of your thoughts as well. Um, so make sure you stick around to the end. Um, well, let's get into the movie. Um, we start Friday the 13th Part 2, incredibly, with a cut down, better edited version of Friday the 13th Part 1. Um, well, no, we do. But we also start off with the little boy walking down the street in splashing in puddles. Yes. And I just want to establish something right now because he's singing Itsy Bitsy Spider. Yeah. But I know it as Incy Wincy Spider. Yes. So in the US, it's Itsy Bitsy. In the UK, it's Incy Wincy. Is that what it is? Is it? Yeah. Is it regional thing? Because I was always like, I don't know. Because my daughter, we always do Incy Wincy at home. She came home from nursery maybe like a month ago, which is the only reason I want to draw massive attention to something that's completely irrelevant to this film. And she was then singing Itsy Bitsy. Oh, maybe it's changed. Yeah, maybe it has changed. I need to know where I stand with this. uh, It's got to be some politically correct bullshit that we're no longer allowed to say (laughs) Incy Wincy because we offend some particular brand of spider that doesn't like it. Okay, well, can listeners, please, can you let us know what your preference is, whether it's Incy or Itsy, because I'd like to... I'd like to establish this very, very important fact. Basically, you want to win a, an argument with your toddler. I do want to win an argument with my toddler because she's now insisting that it's itsy bitsy. Okay. But we so, all know better. Yeah, we do. Help Mark win an <laughs> argument with a child. <laughs> in, in fact, call, call into the show and help Mark win an argument with a child. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, you could do that at yourunpodcast.com or send me an audio DM. I would love to get an audio DM of someone correcting it and telling you what's right. Even better, sing your version of Itsy Bitsy or Incy Wincy, and we will put it to the test. See how many we get of each. If we get any, I I promise I will actually make it the intro to the show for the episode (laughs) we get that uh, message. Excellent. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we get a cut-down version of the first movie, and literally it is my favourite way to watch Friday the 13th Part 1, because I don't like that movie, but this eight-minute version of it's really good. Eight minute? That's Uh, generous. Twelve. Fifteen, and then (laughs) some. (laughs) Either way, it's still a better way. It's better than the full hour and 28-minute movie. Man, this franchise has a habit of doing this. I'm only up to Part 3, so... I don't know whether this continues on, but in part one, obviously, we don't have it because it's the first one. In part two, we get a 20, near enough 30-minute drawn-out introduction, which is mainly comprised of the events of the first film. And then in part three, we have the same thing, which is a recap of the second film, which takes up at least 20, 30 minutes of the first sort of act of that film as well. Like, why? Like, we know why we're... if, If we're going into a part two... We know why we're here. Nobody's yeah. going to the cinema to watch Conjuring 2 without watching Conjuring 1. Yeah, but what a great way to pack it out when you haven't got enough content to fill a movie. <laughs> so fucking lazy, man. It drives <laughs> me mad. It is really lazy. Um, after we've done, after we've watched Friday the 13th, part one, the um, the part two cut, we <laughs> jump into two months after the original. Um, and Alice, the only surviving member of the first movie, 
is having a bad dream about decapitating Mrs. Voorhees, which she'd done at the end of the first movie. Um, she wakes up in bed and she decides to go and have a shower. Uh, she gets a brief phone call from her mum. If I ever spoke to my mum the way that she speaks to her mum, I wouldn't have to worry about Jason Voorhees killing me because my mum would kill me. Yeah, I would get dressed down immediately. She's so rude. She's like, mum, I'm busy, go away. I I sat and watched (laughs) him with my jaw on the floor like, wow, and you grew up in the 80s. How do you get away with that? Privilege, man, privilege. Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. These rich white kids. These rich white kids. <laughs> um, after she takes a shower, she decides to make herself a coffee, a coffee, a coffee, and opens the fridge to get milk. She's confronted by Mrs. Voorhees' severed head um, and then gets an ice pick to the head. We don't see the killer, but big spoilers, it's Jason Voorhees. I'm not kidding. See, that's what I always wanted to know, like, because obviously... I'm coming into this franchise very late in life, so I've only just recently started watching these from the start. Obviously, I'd always been aware of them, and I've seen like Jason X and stuff in the 90s and stuff, but I'd never really actually watched them from start to finish. So I'd come into this, and I'm like, knowing what happens at the end of the first one, and then I'm watching this, and then you see that little kid walking through the puddle singing Incy Wincy or Itsy Bitsy Spider, and then the fella comes up behind him with the footsteps in the puddles, and then Adriana King is then killed in her apartment by some big brooding fella. And I'm like, in the trailer, is it established that Jason returns? Is this, is this, are we all supposed to just know? Well, or we do ju- we just assume that this is something else and this is going in a different direction? We just, I think it's, you just need to accept that in two months, he's aged from the small boy who leapt out of the, the lake and dragged her in to a fully grown 25 year old built Butch, solid guy. Yeah, and the he's so had this lots is of, like five. This is like five years later. I think they say, don't they? They do for the actual movie, but this bit where he kills the girl in in her apartment—that's two months after the original. Right. Okay. Um. So even more, more, more points. What I'm trying to say then is this: is this? Are we expecting this to be somebody else? I, I'm going to burn a fun fact early. Uh, Tom Savini, when they told him the script for part two, when that's fucking Said, stupid, why are Jason's you doing dead. that? <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Which is why he didn't return and went on to do the burning instead of this. Yeah, and if, if he was alive, why didn't he just go and tell his mum, by the way, I'm alive, and she wouldn't have killed anyone in part one? Well, they say in this, don't they, while they sat around the campfire, which we'll get to, He, he they sort of say that Jason watched her kill everybody and and because even Ginny at the bar later on has a similar conversation he says oh maybe it's the fact that he witnessed all this happen which turned him into to the madman that he became but it's just it's one of them where like I just I'm just more curious as an audience going into this back in the day when this came out what kind what were you expecting because did you know in the trailers that this was going to be Jason or did or is this something that was kept under wraps it, 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 it was kept under wraps but then kind of revealed fairly I mean it's early. obviously it's, it's yeah it's insinuated fairly early on but I mean yeah. just from this opening sequence it's just like I can't imagine back then when it came out thinking who what is going on here who is this what is this thing is we were so deprived of decent horror movies in the in the early 80s when this came out everyone went oh great it's another slasher and everything else was just forgiven and overlooked yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. I'm just, I'm being overly critical of a film that 
really doesn't deserve it. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. Um, it's now been five years since the events at Camp Blood, um, and we get a new summer camp has decided to open up. Um, one question, why would you open a campsite at the site of a previous massacre? Well, this is slightly up the road, isn't it? By like, yeah, uh, like a couple of miles. Yeah, it's like it's a stone's not... throw away, isn't it? Yeah. Um, also, it's 15 minutes at this point, And apart from the first kill, we've literally had zero new footage for this movie. Which, by the way, is ridiculous. Bringing back the final girl of the original to kill her off in the opening credits is just stupid. There's a reason why, but I'm assuming you're serving that for facts. Uh, no, I don't think there is a reason why. You say that, though. We're both sat here the other day going, wouldn't it be good if they killed Sam Carpenter in the opening sequence of Scream? Yeah, because, yeah, but they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So I do actually know why she was killed off in the opening sequence. I didn't say it because I thought you would have saved it for facts, but Adriana King, I think it's Adriana. I'm going to yeah. say Adriana. Yeah, it is. She um, experienced a real-life stalker after the events of the first film, to what point? To a point where it was that severe that he actually got her, or I don't know whether it was in her house or out in public, and held a gun to her head. And she was so traumatised by this event. This was well before the time of, of, of stalker laws and things like that, that she didn't want to have a lot of screen time in this film. I think the actual original script featured her a lot more heavily than just killing her off in the opening sequence. Wow. So because of the traumatic events that she suffered in real life, which caused her then to retire from acting completely after this film. She she didn't want to be featured in a film that might trigger some sort of attack, yeah, wow. attack, PTSD kind of thing from it. So so that is why they they made the decision to write her off as early as they did in the opening opening sequence. Wow, the eighties is wild. The eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We do get to meet some of our Newcastle. We meet Jeff and Sandra on their way to the camp. Um, they pull over to call his dad for directions, uh, and we get our first meeting with Crazy Ralph. I love Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph is an icon within this franchise. Yeah, he really, really is. And we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to his death, but they screwed Ralph over in this. Ah, oh, did him real day. Really, really bad. Uh, Ralph does his normal, I warned the others, you're all doomed, before he cycles off on his bike. And I sat there and went, I love Ralph. Um, so who is he talking to? Is he talking to doing the fat, flat cap? Yeah, he's talking to Jeff and Sandra while they're in the phone box going, I told all these other kids before, don't come here. Why are you here? You're all doomed. They're all doomed. Everyone's doomed. I could have bet my entire house and life savings that Jeff was John Bon Jovi the first time I watched this. A hundred percent. I would have bet everything I owned that that was like an 18-year-old John Bon Jovi. I would have yeah. given you everything. Very, very much. He does look exactly like that. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, to the point where I actually went on Google the first time I watched it. I was like, if he was in this film, surely I would have known about it. The same way Kevin Bacon is as, as famous as he is for being in the original. Well, while you were searching, were you going, we're halfway there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hear that song. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, they realise their tuck is tuck their truck is being towed away the tuck tuck their truck is being towed away and they give chase um the tow truck guy completely ignores them as they bang on the window um they don't give up though and they keep running after it for quite a way personally i'm not built for running a hundred percent i'd have gone oh well it's gone i'll I'll go to the tow station later um the truck eventually comes to a stop 
and it's a prank by their friend Ted. Ted, who looks like Ratatouille. I hate Ted. He really annoys me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, he's too tryhard, isn't he? He's yeah, a, he's a proper attention seeker. Yeah, he really, really irritates me. Um, the three friends now head off to camp, um, and Ted's telling them about the guy Paul, who runs the counselling training course. He's saying he's a bit macho and he takes things a bit seriously. And he also hits us with a rabbit joke, which honestly was a heartbeat away from being the opening to this episode. Um, a bear <laughs> goes up to a rabbit and says, hey, Mr. Rabbit, do you have any problems with fur sticking to your with, uh, shit sticking to your fur? The rabbit goes, no. So the bear wipes his ass with the rabbit. Genius. And that's not the only fucking dad joke in this film either. No, it, Ted is Ted is the Friday the 13th part two equivalent of the opening of this show. Yeah, what's the other one he hits us with later on? Like the most stereotypical one going, oh, what do you call a, fro- a frog in a blender? No, what's red and... I've already given away the end. Of yeah, got to what, the joke. What, you get what, where I'm going with What's it. Red, red and green and spins really fast? It's a frog in a blender. That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I opened with the answer. You you did. Well done. This is why you don't do the opening gag. <laughs> um, they reach the part of the road that's blocked by a log um, and the two guys get out to clear it while Sandra just goes for a little wander into the woods. Um, it's here she finds the old camp blood sign and Ted goes, oh, we're on the same lake that that all happened. And as she starts to ask questions, like, anyway, we better get to the camp and they just brush over it. And I thought that was so lazy. Yeah, instead of everything giving, about this is lazy. It's this is literally a we need to make a sequel. Someone come up with an idea. Brilliant, yeah. we'll do that. Let's go. Let's start filming now. Does the sign say Camp Blood? Or does it say Crystal Lake? Because I, I know they refer to it as Camp Blood, but I didn't know. I, I can't remember if somebody went over and graffitied the sign on it. I can't remember what the sign said. If I'm honest, I didn't give this film that much attention. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> I'm um, trying to sound like I care. That's why I'm in. That's why yeah. I'm chiming in. Uh, apologies, <laughs> listeners, and spoilers. My score may not reflect what you gave this. <laughs> um, cut to count counselor orientation. Uh, Paul is a dick. Paul is a dick. He is super cheesy and the most stereotypical '80s jock American I've ever seen on screen. He's such the thing a that makes it Worse is the fact that he's like. He's not even macho enough to play the character he's playing. No. Like, he's like a really skinny, blonde dude trying to play somebody who's supposed to be like this buff jock. Yeah. I feel like the character was written for somebody else, but like he was like a friend of the director's brother or something like that, which is Uh, why he got the part. Yeah, I'm with you with that. Um, He rings the bell for the counsellors to make their way to orientation. Um, this is where we briefly meet Mark, who's in a wheelchair. Um, I love Mark. I, I like Mark. I have no problem with Mark, and I have no problem with Mark trying to get a job as a camp counsellor. But this area and this like wooded tree <laughs> area that he's wheeling his wheelchair is clearly not suitable for wheelchair no, he, access. He's not built for this terrain, is he? Bless him. He's, he's really not. And they've made no effort to make it in any way friendly to his wheelchair. No. Imagine no. imagine taking a wheelchair out into the woods and just trying to manoeuvre through. That's the path he takes to orientation. I I don't think I could get to the bottom of my driveway, let alone round a lake. 
No, not at all. Uh, we also meet Terry in her Mickey Mouse T-shirt, complete with missing bra and perky nipples. Yeah. And, like, she's very, very iconic, isn't she, in terms mm. of the horror community? Like, very lusted after. Yeah. I'm going to uh, be honest and say something very controversial right now. Somebody needs to give this woman a meal. Yes. Like, but... I just don't get it. I don't get it, man. She looks very unhealthy. She does. She has got very perky boobs. Um, something that me and the other character in the movie called Scott, who's who's also a bit of a pervert, is quite a, quite pleased with. Um, and he shoots Scott's uh, a dick. Scott is a dick. Mark is Mark is okay, and Scott is a dick. And that that soundbite could be used in so many ways. It's untrue. Um, he shoots her ass with a rock from a slingshot, like something out of Dennis the Menace. I laughed so much. This bloke's like 30. Yeah. He's and she, like, she's just, she goes, ooh, ooh. I, I'm not being funny, but I've owned slingshots in the past. And you could fire a frozen pea out of that thing, and you would nearly break a window. Her reaction was very underplayed to being shot in the ass with a pebble from a catapult. Sorry, rewind. You help, You owned a slingshot, Dennis the Menace. I owned multiple slingshots and BB guns back in the day. I had an arsenal of weaponry. Okay, moving <laughs> None of them could have done anything. But... Moving swiftly on, um, Paul does his introductions, and we cut back to Ralph riding his bike as a beetle gar- car goes past. Um, Paul is explaining to all the councillors that they've been councillors before, but it's back to basics. It's survival. It's how to how to be alive in the forest. And he gives this big speech. And as he's doing this, um, the rest of his staff arrive. When I say the rest of his staff arrive, the beetle pulls up. Um, back to my previous comment about Paul. He is a dick. So we meet Ginny and Paul goes up and like almost drags her out of the car and takes her into the office and has a right go at her for being late. I was like, you asshole. It just he wound me up so much. But I get it. I get it. Do you? Be on time. Yeah, be on fucking time, man. Be on time. <laughs> I I have an apprentice, and when he's late, he's like, oh, real sorry, mate. Oh, I couldn't find my keys this morning. Or, oh, real sorry, got stuck at train lines. I was like, what? They were down for like 45 minutes. I was like, get your lazy ass out of bed in the morning. Man. Wow. I have I'm a thing s- to tidy this, man. Be on time. Be on time. It annoys I- me. I'm so glad I don't work for you. Um, Ginny goes to move her car, but it won't start. And not a single person moves to go and help her for ages until Paul gets up there like a hero. And he's like, you need to treat it gentle. Try using that child psychology you're studying. And then. Oh, yeah, that was a right dick comment, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he got it started. I was like, fuck you, Paul. Fuck you. I don't like you at all in any way. No, I'm not particularly fond of Paul, but thankfully enough, he isn't featured that much throughout the film. No, thankfully he's not. Um, we now cut to campfire story time as Paul tells the story about Jason and that he's still in the area. He's stalking and he's taking what he needs. And he continues to tell us that Alice disappeared two months after Jason. And that's obviously the kill we saw at the beginning of the movie. Um, I don't need a double exposition. I don't need to see the scene and then have the scene described to me 10 minutes later. It's an 80 slasher. Just let it slash. But but that's the point about this film. It is an 80 slasher, and it does slash. 
for the last 20 minutes. Everything else is just exposition, character introductions, and 40 minutes of the film we just watched before we started watching this one. This is true. Um, Thankfully, this does wrap up quite quickly, and we actually get a pretty effective jump scare um, as someone jumps out of a mask, a loincloth carrying a spear, um, just as the story gets to, like, the scary, spooky part. Um, Paul then adds, like, so this guy jumps out as Ted, because Ted is, like, Paul's little bitch and does everything Paul says. Um, Paul then adds the joke. He said, jokes aside, Mrs. Voorhees is dead. Jason has drowned. Camp Crystal Lake is off limits. Um, Ginny is so sarcastic. So after Paul walks away, she's like, well, the second act means work, needs work. (laughs) Uh, This is actually a movie fact. This is the biggest criticism that the original Friday the 13th got from critic, actual critics, was that the second act needed work. So they worked that in to this script. Oh, how meta. Uh, very meta, very, very meta. But no one would notice that, and you'd never know that unless you went and looked and found that fact. Which, obviously, you had the time to do. <laughs> well, I don't have the time to do it, but I've done it. Um, <laughs> what ensues next is the most unrealistic representation of a teen party I've ever seen. There's arm wrestling, chess playing, handheld console. There's dancing with a dog. With Honestly, that dog looks like a mop. Looks like a mop head. Um, <laughs> and there is not a drop of alcohol or any kissing or canoodling of any sort. Whose fucking grandma wrote this scene? Oh, there was a bit of weed. Uh, kind of. Mm. Someone had a toke on a joint for a second. It's Yeah. Is it wouldn't it... be a Friday the 13th film without there being weed involved somewhere. No, you can, you can, if you watch a Friday the 13th film, the second anyone touches weed, you can go, you're going to die. You're going to die, and you're going to die. <laughs> oh, you you touched that weed in the ashtray by accident, you're going to die. <laughs> um, while they're all partying, and I use inverted commas for that, uh, we get a sort of Jason's POV as he watches through the window. I um, hate this POV in this film. The POV in this film is so... It's literally, they've gone to the cameraman, go stand in the bushes. It's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, Ginny goes off to her bed and gets a knock at her cabin uh, while she's getting ready. Uh, she goes to investigate and it turns out it's Paul with another dick move as he sneaks up behind her and scares her. Yep. Who does that? I kind of do stuff like that a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I do a little bit too. I'm forever <laughs> making people jump in my house. Um, they start to kiss and we... Um, and now we get what's seen as it's meant to be Jason's leg as he walks towards the cabin. Um, they aren't, though. They belong to pervy Ralph now. He's not crazy Ralph anymore. As he stands behind a tree and watches the two kiss and cuddle. Um, I'm guessing he intended on warning them and then decided, like, I'll, I'll watch a bit of the show first. Yeah, I don't think he was necessarily there to be a pervy Ralph. I think he was more just lingering. Oppor- opportunist pervy Ralph. He went, I'm going to go and tell them they're do- oh. Yeah, I can I can wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'll give I'll give it I'll give it half hour. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll let you take what they done to Ralph next because it's criminal. Well, what they did to Ralph is almost as insulting as what they did to Alice's character from the first film. Um, Crazy Ralph is a character that I really really like, and I really liked him in the first, and I was so 
glad when I've seen him attack, return again in this one. And the thing that annoys me the most about what happens next is this is a character that in order for him to come back means that he has potential within the story. And I feel like there were so many opportunities to take this in such a direction that could have intertwined him one way or another into the story, whether that be the saving grace at the end or his involvement in maintaining Jason's ability to live in these woods as a teenager. There was just so much scope for this character. And they bring him back to, which granted is a pretty cool kill, to just kill him off without any real involvement or purpose in this film. You could remove him completely and it would have no effect on this film's story. No. Um, and it's disappointing. It really is. For somebody who is so iconic with the franchise, you say Crazy Ralph and everybody immediately knows who you're talking about. Yeah. It just feels like they did him dirty in this film to kill him off the way they did. And it was just such a wasted opportunity. They did. They did kill him in a good way, though, with Barbara wire around the neck and pulled back on a tree. Pretty yeah. good kill. Brutal. Brutal kill. And it was very, very cool. But the amount of mindless characters we have in this film, it could have happened to any single one of them. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I noticed in this, I don't know if you spied it as well. So Ralph's hidden behind the tree away from the cabin and Jason wraps the wire around and pulls the wire tight to kill him, which means Jason was in full view of the cabin by the window that they are both looking out in the same shot. Yeah, there's another kill in this that doesn't have any logic behind it either. We'll talk about that when we get there, but we really shouldn't be looking too closely at this. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Uh, we fade to morning as Ginny wakes up alone um, to a note on her mirror written in lipstick. Oh, Paul, you're such a charmer. Um, he wrote on the mirror, uh, what was it? Bears... Yeah, beware of bears. And this is because when he was giving his rhetoric earlier, he was telling women when you're menstruating to make sure you're very hygienic because bears will kill you. <laughs> what a chat-up line. Oh, uh, brilliant. Uh, we get some training as the councillors go for a jog, and Mark was very annoying in this scene, shouting them for try harder and telling Jeff the women are showing up. Exactly, get the fuck up and do it yourself, Mark. Uh, Exactly. Number one, women can be more athletic than men. Number two, Mark, I don't see you fucking running around. (laughs) Are we allowed to say that? (laughs) I just did. Um, (laughs) We see Jason watching from the bushes again, um, and we also get get Terry's dog finding him as walks right up to his boots uh, before we cut back to the councillors having their lunch, which is hot dogs on the menu. Um, Ginny chops some firewood with a chainsaw, which was really cool, but a hundred percent we just want to put a chainsaw in our movie. Yeah, and take note of the fact that she's using a chainsaw because this is likely to be over later on in the film. Yeah. Um Terry's looking for a dog which is called Muffin, uh, which is a terrible name for a dog. Um and it's at this point that I assume Jason had gone all Michael Myers and butchered poor Muffin. Yeah, I assumed that as well. Yeah. And rightly so as well. This dog, as you say, looks like a fucking mop. It, it does. Um, the whole t- daytime scene is filmed with lots of scenes of Jason looking for the bushes. It's literally it cuts to them eating lunch. Back to Jason in the bushes. Them stood Terrible around having a, yeah, them stood in, around having a chat. Back to Jason in the buses, bushes. And it's it goes on for ages. So I'm literally going to skip all of it because it's pointless. Yeah. like Let's just get to the good bit, which is like the last 20 minutes. We're not there yet, unfortunately. Um, 
While some boating activities are happening, Sandra convinces Jeff to go and check out the old camp blood so they can tell everyone in the city when they get home. Because I don't think anyone in the city is going to give a shit, but they go. Um, When they get there, you can still hear the others playing in the lake. So they're obviously not very far away. Um, I say that, but I'm not sure how well sound travels over water. They could be fucking 100 miles away. (laughs) I don't know how that works, but. I think they're close. I don't know how that works either. I don't think we are equipped to be able to deal with this scientific analogy. Um, Spoiler, Jason is still watching from the bushes. Um, They find a mangled dog. I was like, oh, Muffin. Poor Muffin. Yeah. Uh, Before being interrupted by the police who take them back to the camp, back to Paul. Um, Power played by Paul with the sheriff is the only thing he'd done that made me smile in this movie. The sheriff's like, are you not even going to reprimand these kids? And he's like, Ginny, make sure that Jeff and Sandra don't get any seconds on dessert tonight. He just smiles at the cop. I was like, good for you. Don't take no shit from that sheriff. Um, As the sheriff is leaving, we get our first shot of sackhead Jason as he runs across the road in front of the car. Cool. Cool, but not what he's done. The The whole movie he's hidden, yet he decides to run in front of the sheriff's car. Of all the times to cross the road as well. Yeah. Um, The sheriff gives chase on foot and finds an abandoned cabin, which he enters uh, without calling for any backup. Um, You see him open a door and he goes, oh, my God. We don't see what's in the door. All we see is he gets a hammer to the back of the head. Again, really good film. Uh, Practical effects of this are pretty solid throughout. No, the dog shit. You think? Yeah, yeah, the shit. It is very clear that Savini is absent from this film. Uh, In comparison to what we get in the first these are very subpar. Um, as you mentioned with this, with the crazy Ralph kill, there's just not a lot of thought that goes into the execution of these. Like well, in the, in theory and in paper, they sound really, really good. Like, oh, you choke someone to death on a tree with a barbed wire, you hit someone over the head with a hammer, and a few kills that we'll come across as I'll get to. Sound great, but you can see the lack in gore and creative practical effects are missing from this yeah i'll give you that i I didn't think they were overly bad but yeah when you compare them to anything savini's touched yeah i mean it's one of those it's like if you were just casually watching this film you wouldn't pick up on it but the fact that you know that savini is missing and you're comparing it to the first you can tell this is a huge step back yeah yeah it is um, it's night time again, and Paul said that everyone can go for one last night on the town, except for Jeff and Sandra, because part of their punishment, he is going to punish them. Uh, they volunteer to stay and watch camp. Um, that'll teach them for going nosing about, to be fair. Um, Terry said that she's going to stay just in case Muffin comes back, and Scott, being the pervert that he is and wanting Terry, he decides he's staying as well. Um, yep. Mark is also staying. Um, because nothing's in his words, this don't, don't come at me in his words, <laughs> nothing spoils a party that more than a drunk in a wheelchair. I would love a drunk in a wheelchair at a party. So, so would I, it's like where you can, you, you can hire like, um, I don't know the correct term for them. Um, little, pe- we... little people, <laughs> I don't know if maybe that's correct. Call it a day on this conversation. No, 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 I'm going there, but you can hire little people <laughs> for stag do's where you have them handcuffed to you. Yeah, dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Is that the correct term? I believe dwarf. Yeah, because it's dwarfism. It's, it's yeah. the 
so that's disorder. So I believe dwarf is the correct terminology. Yeah. I, I believe so. I so apologies the, if I've offended anybody by saying that. I, but I, I genuinely believe dwarf is the correct. I, I, think, I me, yeah. I, I'm not I think, say what you can't no, say. I, I think <laughs> I, I think you've just been warped by the Lord of the Rings. I think that's where you're getting. <laughs> All no, I'm gonna no. all I'm gonna say is I'm gonna say Willow and we're gonna move on. <laughs> um so Mark is staying. Um and we also get some random girl called Vicky who wants to stay because she wants a bit of Mark's dick. Um and I'm asking this out of complete ignorance, and I mean no offense to anyone in a wheelchair, but would his dick work? He addresses it later. I think he, just... yeah. I I it depends. It depends, I think. Yeah, I think it depends on what your injury is. Because he specifies, doesn't he, that he got his injuries from a motorbike accident. The doctors yeah. have said that he may never walk again, but he's he's determined to walk again. And everything when he's like, I'm in training, I'm currently in training, I think he's insinuating that he's training he's to try and walk again. Yeah, he's he's coming back. He's making his comeback. Um, yeah. As they enter the cabin, we get Jason lingering outside again. Um, Terry's out looking for Muffin. Um, and the rest are either in the cabin or at the bar where they've gone into town. Um, at this point, someone reminded the director that this is an 80s movie and we've had no tips yet. Yeah. Because Terry takes her top off and randomly goes for a skinny dip while in the middle of looking for her lost dog that she's very upset about. Man, this... I don't want to offend anyone. I really don't. But the way she got undressed in this moonlight was not sexual anyway. She looked like a fucking xenomorph. I could see every single bone in this woman's body. Yeah. I'll, I'll I feel give like you I need to set up a GoFundMe page to get her some food. Yeah. But, buy Terry a sandwich. Coming soon to GoFundMe. <laughs> uh, back in the cabin, Jeff and Mark are arm wrestling until Sandra comes along and goes, save some energy for me. And Jeff, being like every single man, like literally pulls his hand away from Mark, goes bye, and goes upstairs to get some. Uh, yeah. Vicky is coming on so strong onto Mark, short of taking her clothes off and opening her legs and go put it there. She done the everything smell, but the smell of desperation was seeping through my television. It was terrible. <laughs> um, back with Terry, uh, Scott has decided to come and steal her clothes. Um, and runs off, like, dropping her clothes like a trail of breadcrumbs. So she's got naked Terry chasing him through the woods. Um, yeah. Fun fact, this is not how to impress a lady, if anyone's curious. Don't do this. No, he just looks like a pervert. <laughs> he does. Scott is a pervert. Again, another <laughs> soundbite we could use over and over again. Um, it's fine, though, because Scott gets caught in a snare trap, hanging him upside down. And Terry goes to get him and uh, get a knife to cut him down amazingly checking every single room in the cabin apart from the kitchen. I I don't know if I was paying much attention at this point. I'm going to be honest. She, she, she goes into the cabin. She checks the living room. She then goes up and checks a couple of the bedrooms and both times walks past the kitchen where there's kitchen knives. <laughs> it's so, so, such shit writing. Oh, um, fuck this film, honestly. <clears throat> J- Jason finds Scott hanging upside down and slits his throat. Yeah, but um, this is another thing as well that I was on about with the practical effects. He slits his throat, but due to, I'm assuming due to, like, safety procedures, he uses the back edge of the machete to slide across his neck. Yeah. So obviously, you know the way that machete shaped, like a knife. Yeah, yeah. He uses, like, the blunt, thick end of the machete that slides across his knife, even though there's still a machete on screen, but it's obviously done in a way 
Like yeah. Savini would be like, fuck this shit. We'll just re if we're not allowed to put the sharp edge of the blade to this guy's neck to fill this scene, we will recreate this guy completely just and so chop- we can lop chop his fucking head off and let yeah. him gush blood on the floor. And that's just my point, is like things like that are so noticeable in this film when you know that Savini is absent from it. Yeah. Um Terry comes back and discovers that Scott is dead because she took fucking eight hours to go and get the knife. Um, and we now cut to the bar, which is in full swing. Um, Ginny then starts bringing the whole mood down where she's going. She's psychoanalyzing Jason. I fucking hate this where she's psych- going, oh, well, if he was alive, he just wants his mummy back. And I know it's setting up what comes later, but this kind of overanalyzing a killer they don't even know is real just wound me up. Yeah. And it was, again, it was just forced exposition and and driving driving the story in a direction that they wanted you to take it in is in which she was basically saying that he witnessed all the events that happened in the first film, which is what drove him. He, she was saying like he was hiding in the woods from his mother's overbearing behavior and then seeing her kill and then seeing her die at the end at the hands of Alice drove him into this menacing savage killer who lives in and i was like oh god this is so forced yeah and, and as like, a viewer bearable yeah and as a viewer i'm sat there going yeah yeah it, it was excruciating to listen it, to it was uh back in camp vicky is still throwing her, her throwing herself at mark and sandra and jeff are getting it on upstairs um it's this scene where vicky very tactfully basically asked mark if his dick still works and i found this fucking hilarious because he doesn't answer it and he goes I do alright one way or another and what I took from this is that his dick doesn't work and he's like Jack Daniels I I assumed his dick didn't work yeah and he's like Jack he... Daniels good liquor <laughs> brilliant yeah, and I'm just going to ignore that completely. <laughs> I think it's probably for the best. Uh, back upstairs, uh, turns out Jeff's foreplay is playing a harmonica, um, and at this point, I was begging for Jason to arrive and kill him. He's laying in bed, and his way of seducing her is laying there going. <laughs> I like the harmonica, man. What's your beef with the harmonica? Do you use a harmonica as foreplay, though? No, but I have a harmonica. Oh. My oh, please, you don't, uh, Jeff. You don't. Know I do. Me. I do own a harmonica. Hold on, hold on. Let me. If it's yeah. I can't believe I can't believe you own a harmonica. Oh I my! But I... <laughs> I, I, I just have visions of you now laying in bed, going, "Come here, come to me." <laughs> I can't play it, but I own one. I'm now going to make it my mission. Give me... How many episodes do I need to learn? Give me a song to learn. What can you play on a harmonica? You can't play anything. A hundred percent you can play the Halloween theme on the harmonica. Right, okay, okay. How many episodes have I got to get that done? Uh, I I tell you what, I'll I'll give you ten. That's ten weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And if I get it done sooner, I will announce that I'm ready to go. But ten episodes... I'll, by the time we get to the 10th episode from this point on, I will play it win, lose or draw. Whether I can do it or not, I'll give it a go. That, that, that's amazing. Not only are we introducing you to new movies, but teaching you new skills. 
<laughs> well, hold on. We might not be teaching anything just yet. Well, this is, this is very true. Um, Mark eventually gives in to Vicky's advances and says that they'll go to her cabin or they're going to go find their own cabin. She goes, oh, I need to nip off and get a couple of things and says the magic words. I'll be right back. Yeah. Well, can't say that in a movie. Um, while being watched by Jason, she nips back to her cabin and changes into the most disgusting pair of brown panties I've ever seen. Um, What's free... your beef with brown? I don't have a beef with brown, but I have a beef with, like, she wants sexy underwear and they're, like, baggy and hanging off her ass. They're awful. Um, free tip to ladies. I don't know if Mark agrees with this, but <laughs> as much as we appreciate when you put in effort and you put in all these sexy underwears and stuff... Evidently, all this shit ends up on the floor. And if we're being brutally honest with you, we really don't care that much. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I do care. Well, I can I appreciate d- a bit of effort. Right. Like I, a bit of I, lingerie. Uh, I appreciate the effort, but in the grand scheme of things, I really don't care because I don't care about the underwear. <laughs> I care about what's under the underwear is what I'm there for. Are anyway, you trying to tell us you've got a problem with premature, premature ejaculation? <laughs> Not necessarily um, premature ejaculation, just giddy to get to the finish line. I always giddy to get to the finish line. <laughs> it's it's a race. Lisa does object to the victory lap around the bed when I win, but... <laughs> um, oh, dude, I don't need that image in my mind. They drag this scene out for ages, uh, and it starts to rain. Um, but incredibly, she's not on Jason's hit list. So you see Jason coming up to her, and I'm like, she's going to die. She's going to die. But she doesn't. She she survives. Um, instead, it's Mark who gets it in the best kill in the entire movie by a country mile. Yep. Machete to the face, sending him down a massive flight of stairs in his wheelchair backwards. Brilliant. Brilliant. And it looks fantastic. But I have gripes. How could you have gripes with this kill? Because as soon as he takes a machete to the face, he looks like he's just been KO'd by Ryu. And he goes... Oh, 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 oh. Please can... tell me you paid attention to that. I can see it now, It was yeah. like the KO from, the, from, from one of the fights in Street Fighter 2 where he gets hit and he's like, oh, 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 oh. And it like echoes through the screen. It's the weirdest thing ever. I don't know why they do it. Well, Street Fighter 2 would probably have been out around about... Uh, Street Fighter 1 would have been out around about this time, so maybe took inspiration from it. Honestly, go back and get a soundbite for it and play it in the episode when this comes out. Okay, you I, need to you need to you need to appreciate what I'm trying to say here. I, I, I will do that, and then I'll put the Street Fighter sound next to it so we can hear both. <laughs> and we can compare the two. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Well, as you've pissed all over what I thought was a fabulous kill. Um, it is. I'm not taking anything away from it. It is great. It just annoyed me that particular bit. Um, we fade to Sandra and Jeff having sex. And another brilliant kill as Jason grabs the spear that Ted used earlier, goes upstairs and impales them together. Um, this is a kill that he actually mimics in other movies. He's done this more than once, but this was the first time. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a reverse version of the way Kevin Bacon got killed, isn't it? Very, very similar. Uh, Paul and Ginny now leave the bar and head back to the camp as Vicky comes back to the cabin. She can't find Mark, so she goes upstairs where she finds Sandra and Jeff laying in bed. Um, or so she thinks. She pulls back the cover and 
it's not Jeff at all. He's hanging on the back door with all his entrails out. Uh, it's Jason who sits up and kind of goes, Ugh. Um, thoughts on sackhead Jason? Let's get it out of the way. I think he looks absolutely incredible. And I'll be honest with you, this scene in particular, the first time I watched this film, along with Mark's death, because Mark's death comes out of nowhere. It's like a proper on-the-screen jump. When he sits up out of the bed like he does here, my ass fell out. It gets me every time. Maybe not every time, but the first initial time I watched Friday the 13th Part 2, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like I like Head Jason. I find him particularly I don't find him particularly great one way or the other. He's kind of unoffensive. He's, he's all right. He's good. I think he looks better than Hockey Mask Jason, I'll be honest. Like, no. I prefer him. I prefer him to hockey. I I prefer this look, and I would have liked to have seen this continued more than I than I do hockey mask. But my only introduction with hockey mask Jason is part three up until this yeah. Keep keep going, keep going. The hockey the hockey mask will grow on you. Okay, okay. So so I may change my opinion on this later down the road. But at the moment, as it stands, I'm I'm more in favour of his look in this. The bag boy. Bag boy, Jason. Yeah. Although I'm not particularly fond of his mullet at the end, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, he slashes Vicky in the leg before cornering her and killing her, um, this time using a butcher's knife. Um, I like the fact that they show that in this movie he's experimenting with weapons. He uses lots yeah. of different weapons in this, and it's not until later that the machete becomes the signature. And I like you almost see the evolution of him reach that point. I like that a lot. Ah, that's all just clicked together for me at the end of this film now. But yeah, continue. Um, Paul and Ginny now pull up at the camp um, and they run to get out of the rain. They can't find anyone because Jason has taken all the bodies. Um, Ginny does find the bed covered in blood and then the two go to investigate and this is where the lights stop working. Then out of nowhere, Jason attacks Paul. Well, the build-up to this scene is, is Ginny's like, there's someone in this room. Yeah. Like, Paul, there is somebody here. This, And I was like, oh, shit, where is he? <laughs> and he just kind of jumps up out from behind the sofa and takes Paul to the floor. Yeah, and Ginny makes no attempt to help either, just kind of goes, screams a bit, goes, oh, oh Paul, 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 Paul. I, I kind of like away. this, though. I kind of like this, though, because it's like an evolution of her character and the way it builds up to be what it what it is, because she in my opinion, is one of the most underrated final girls in horror. Okay. We'll get we'll get to that in my roundup. <laughs> um I do I love I love their chase scene though where she goes into the bathroom and she tries getting out the window and she's trying to hold the door at the same time and Jason doesn't come in the door. He bursts through the window. She then runs into another room and like locks herself in it holding a knife and like the door's rattling. And she's quivering with fear. And then you just get a gardening fork smashed straight through the door. Her panic in her face is fantastic. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, in her panic, she opens a, a wardrobe to escape, which made me laugh. And then Crazy Ralph falls out. Um, I don't know why she opens it. So he finally comes back full circle. No, yeah, this he... was a back door, wasn't it? No, she opens a, so she opens a cupboard and Ralph falls out of the cupboard. Then she goes to the door. Oh, I thought this was like another door to the outside. No, this is a cupboard. She opens like a larder cupboard oh, as, a, right, as an yeah. escape route. Um, she does eventually get outside and tries to get a car to start, which it won't. Um, Jason comes up to her window and then disappears. 
And then he jumps on the roofs, jabbing the pitchfork through the roof. I like that she fights back and kicks open the door, sending him tumbling down the hill. Yeah. But she's then fucking stupid because she runs off into the dark woods. Well, where else is she going to go? Down the road. Stay on the road. Don't stray from the path, lad. I I think I would go into the woods personally. Because, like, the road is, like, a road, isn't it? It's got one... Like, if he's faster than her, then he's going to catch her on the road because it's a straight line. He's got in a the bag. Woods. He's got a bag on his head with only one eye hole. How fast can he move? Yeah, I can run really fast with both eyes closed, let alone having only access to one. So the, his eyes are not an issue. Okay. And if he's running in a straight line, then even better. Um, the next bit made me laugh at just how stupid Ginny is. So she hides behind the car. Um, so she's hiding behind the car before she runs into the woods. Jason walks past up the hill and goes into the woods. She then runs into the woods, but she runs in the same direction that he went. <laughs> she like chases him into the woods. It's like, you are stupid. Go the other way, back down the hill where he's just come from. Um, we get a prolonged, really poorly lit chasing through the woods. And I'm assuming this is budgetary issues. Yeah. Um, Jason follows, but she attacks him with a chainsaw when they reach the cabin in one of the cabins. I love this. This is awesome. And the only time, another fun fact I'm killing early, the only time in the entire franchise, Jason recoils in horror and puts his hands up to protect himself. Oh, really? I didn't. Mm. I can't say I paid that much attention to that bit. Um, so she goes for him with a chainsaw and he does this lean back and like, oh, yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I did because I didn't understand why the chainsaw just randomly stopped. Uh, it's because when she came down, she hit his pitchfork and it broke the chain off. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. So the chainsaw was completely useless to her. Um, for good measure, she did hit him with a chair. Yeah, <laughs> but this annoys me in films like this, and it's like, now pick up the knife and now stab him in the fucking eye. Yeah, f- finish him off. Uh, <laughs> But she doesn't. She runs back outside um, and it is, it's two seconds and Jason's back after her again. Um, I'll give credit to the writers for the most convenient scenario in history as Ginny comes across a cabin that's all lit up and she walks in asking for help. And it's Jason's cabin and Jason is now there too. The laziest fucking writing ever. Yeah, but movies got movies, aren't they, mate? Yeah, I I guess so. Um, Ginny heads to the back room and we now see what caused the sheriff to recall in horror. It's Mrs. Voorhees' head on a, effectively on a platter, surrounded by candles. Um, Being a child psychology student, Ginny has an idea. Um, The smartest idea. It is a very, very smart idea. As Jason smashes down the door, she's putting on Mrs. Voorhees' jumper and she pretends to be Mrs. Voorhees. And I love the little flashes we get where you're seeing it from Jason's POV and one minute she's Ginny and then it merges into Mrs. Voorhees. And yeah, really, I, really clever. Really clever. And she convinces Jason to get on his knees by saying, look, mummy, you've done your job now. Come here, get down on your knees. Be good for mummy. Um, and she's promising a reward for killing everyone. This is where she decides to blast him in the side of the neck uh, with what will become his signature machete. Um, yeah, but that was he... my Eureka moment about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, um, but he blocks it with his pickaxe. 
Um, but then Paul's back because Jason didn't kill Paul, just left him earlier. And Paul instantly knew where that cabin was and made it there just in the nick of time. Of course. Yeah. Um, Paul and Jason fight with Jason getting the upper hand, uh, pinning him down. And this is where Ginny smashes him in the shoulder with a machete. Yeah. And it is in the shoulder. And somehow that takes him down. I mean, it would take me down, I'll be honest with you. Uh, yeah, but I'm not Jason Voorhees. It'd take me down as well. Um, before he's leaving... not really Jason Voorhees at this point either, is he? No, not really. Um, before they leave, they reveal his face, but it's all done off camera. And Paul and Ginny both sort of look scared. We get a walk back to the camp and there's heroic music playing. And there's even a section where Paul carries Ginny for part of it. And I was like, this is cheesy as fuck. This can't be the end. Um, back in their cabin, Ginny and Paul sit, they cry, they cuddle, and then we hear a noise. I was like, yes, Jason's come to kill them. Um, but it's not, it's Muffin, um, because it turns out Jason isn't as depraved, nasty, and much of a loser as Michael Myers. He left the dog alone. Yeah. Didn't, didn't hurt the dog. Um, we now get happy, relaxed music as they all sit and cuddle Muffin. And it's at this point we get unmasked, bad 80s mullet Jason leaps through the window, grabbing Ginny, taking her away. Yeah. He looks I like, great. I like the look of him. Yeah, I think he looks pretty cool. Yeah, and the mullet I buy, that that kind of fits with yeah. what... Yeah. It, it, it it's all just works. annoying that it's, it's gone from this. It's like he, he figured out how to shave his head after this film. Yeah. Well, oh well. Um, I then got really confused because it cuts to her being put in an ambulance and asking for Paul. And then we fade to the head of Mrs. Voorhees, like, on the altar. And it's the end of the movie. Yeah, well, my notes here say it. This ending sucks. Where is Paul? How did Jason, Jason die? Or did he? Where is the dog? Why the fuck did Jason's mum's eyes not open for one last jump scare? Yeah, I, I've got, where is Paul? Where did Jason? Uh, why did Jason let Ginny go? What happened when she was dragged out the window? They're all questions we're never going to get answered. Um, a little bit like the questions I'm about to ask Mark. It's broken, nah. baby. I told you, I want to play a game. Fuck off, no way. <laughs> no, 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 it is no way. I, I, I'm only kidding. I just want you to suffer uh, a little bit longer. Oh, uh, man. That would have been amazing because that was perfectly teed up. I thought it was perfect. I would have been up. annoyed. I would have been more annoyed that, that I teed that up for you unintentionally. Yeah, but no, that's it's, it's not happening now. Don't worry. Uh, facts <laughs> well, and fuck back up. to the ending. No, yeah, oh, ending. go. What's the ending for? Stop jumping. Back to the ending. Like this is a thing with this franchise that frustrates me to no end because it does it in the first film as well, and it's like, is it a dream? Is it not a dream? And then in this, you're like, has she been found or is she not found or what happened to Paul and what? The ambiguity of the endings in these films is just frustrating to no end. It is, and if I'm honest, it doesn't get any better as you go through the franchise. So just just Does deal. It become like a thing. Ah, uh, kind of. There's a couple they don't do it, but most of them they leave you with kind of a. I can't uh, remember what happens at the end of part three now. Doesn't he like he's hanging from like the barn? Is yeah. It, or does he cut himself loose? I think you see him cut himself loose is like the final scene you see him drop or you see the rope break. It's been ages since I've watched three. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched it as well. But that's where I'm up to is part three. And I remember that one annoying me as well. Yeah, Jason X is still the best in the series. I'll, I'll fight anyone who argues with me. I think the remake so far is, is still number one for me. 
Remake's good. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, can I do facts and fuck ups? Yeah, go on. Do we want? Yeah. To? Low facts. Low. Um, when Scott hits Terry in the ass with the slingshot, um, he hits her in the right ass cheek. She then immediately grabs her left ass cheek and rubs it. I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, Jason in this film is dressed exactly the same as the hooded burlap sack killer in The Town That Dreaded Sundown from 1976. I was going to say that as well. I think that's uh, why I liked it so much. Uh, the only difference is that his burlap sack has only got one eye hole and his shirt is a slightly different plaid design. But apart from that, they're stand the two next to each other. It's like, which one's yeah. Jason? Um Twice, Paul mentions that women should stay clean during their menstrual cycles because they're in bear country. Um, you can all rest easy, ladies, because that is an urban legend. Bears do not care if you're on your menstrual cycle or not. I was going to say, is that real or not? No, it, it's not real. Bears will kill you indiscriminately regardless of what your body is doing. Stay away say, from not bears. sharks, are they? <laughs> no, exactly that. Um the plot of part two shocked most people associated with the original films. So Betsy Palmer, Tom Savini and Sean Cunningham all made public remarks of how stupid it was that Jason would now be alive. Um, and they also didn't understand why, if he was alive after he'd allegedly drowned, when he got out of the water, why he wouldn't instantly go up to his mum before she killed anyone and go, I'm alive, mum. Can I come home for dinner? There's so many plot holes. Um, in the scene where Terry is swimming naked at night, we get the first five notes of the iconic Jaws music intertwined with the Friday the 13th music. Why are you trying to bring this into the show? You attacked me viciously about Jaws earlier. I feel that that, that fact is ample for this episode. I, I'm not buying it. I didn't notice it. Oh, that's uh, because it, Jaws is instantly forgettable. Continue. Um, both this film and Halloween 2 feature their villains killing a law enforcement officer with a hammer in the head. Um, although Mr. Garrett in Halloween 2 is a security guard, which yeah. basically means that Jason done it better because he went one step further and killed a, a police officer. Um, both movies were also released in 1981. Oh, Really? Yeah. What months? Do you know the months for these? I, I don't know the months for these. I probably should have got that because that I should have known you were going to ask me that <laughs> question. <laughs> what would my annoying co-host do in this situation? Uh, I tend to <laughs> write... obviously ask me stuff that I don't know. Uh, I tend to write episodes in that way now. <laughs> uh, let's do some hot takes. It's time for hot takes. Hot takes this week. Some of them are really hot takes and Mark is going to disagree with most of them. Uh, Robbie Horror, uh, the fabulous Robbie Horror, uh, brilliant movie critic and musician. The best in the series, followed closely by one. Great sense of pacing, stellar final girl and genuinely scary in parts. I, I, I can understand why he would say that. Yeah. But again, um, I have limited knowledge on this franchise, so I only know one, two and three. Yeah. So at this moment in time, yeah, I get what he's saying. <laughs> Uh, Wednesday Wine and Horror, the fabulous co-host from True Crime, who's currently on sabbatical, um, looking after a baby and having sleepless nights. Um, he's always had a sack on his head um, or his sack. But OK, hear me out. I genuinely love Jason and the Friday the 13th franchise, but this installment is boring. I really don't get into them until part four. 
I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Heather, a little bit. I love three, but four is where it really starts picking up for me. Uh, BJ Mumbo, a great YouTuber. Uh, it's a solid sweet sequel. Uh, been a hot minute since I watched it. Great kills. From what I remember, one of the best looking casts in this, male and female. Uh, I can get down with the sack mask. It's a bit of a rip off, but it worked. Paul, there's someone in this room. I think his name was Paul. It was Paul, BJ. You got it right. <laughs> Um, the nightclub podcast possibly my second or third favorite in the entire franchise it's a good atmosphere similar to the first one so a continuous story feels cohesive the kills are good and we get jason with his crazy mountain man features genie is badass and figures out how to trick jason is one of the best sequences of any horror movie yeah yeah i agree and finally mark loves horror justice for mark in his wheelchair I love part two. Such a good sequel and honestly better than the first one, in my opinion. Uh, it's be- uh, yeah. it's be- better than the first one. Yeah, yeah, it's better than the first yeah. one. But... Um, speaking of justice for Mark, let's play Broken Spirit. I told you, I want to play a game. Dude, stop winding me up. I'm not falling for it anymore. Oh, damn it. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling safe. I'm feeling confident. Yeah. Very good in you. You are safe. You are safe now. Um, don't forget you can support the show in a number of ways. Give us a review on Apple or Spotify. Um, if you want to spend some of your hard-earned money, go to You Run Podcast and buy some merchandise. Um, I understand if you can't. Times are tough. Um, if you can't, review us on Apple or Spotify. It takes two seconds. So go and do that. Um, yeah. and my- should we should we make a thing of saying that if people are going to go out and review us, we will read your reviews out on the show? Yeah, we can do that. So if you go and review us on any platform... It's only Apple that you can actually type a review. Oh, so therefore, if you will go and review us on Apple, we will then read that review out on the next episode. Yeah. So if you have something nice to say, or even if you have something you would like to get across or criticise in any way, go type it up in Apple, leave us a review, and we will read it out on the next episode. Criticise all you want, just make sure you hit five stars when you do it. Exactly. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. I'll let you. I'll let you rip it to bits first before I. I do it. You say that, but I'm not actually going to pull this to bits because I think this is a vast improvement on the first film. And again, as I've already mentioned, I am only three films into this franchise at the moment, and this is for me the best it's gotten so far. I massively had problems with it. I was crazily disappointed by the fact that they killed off Alice was in the opening credits as well as killing off crazy Ralph early on in the film I didn't appreciate the fact that obviously I know I personally haven't spent money to go and watch this film but had I gone and watched this in the day of release and realised that I'd spent the first third of it and the first 30 minutes of it watching a recap of the first film I would have felt robbed Um, I have a lot of issues with stuff that takes place during the day I feel like as soon as things hit nightfall in this film, it massively takes a different change. The cinematography, the lighting, everything feels more impactful as a slasher and something that I, I kind of want this franchise to embrace going forward. Um, the way that the stories come together and the way that it brings Jason back, I've really appreciated, regardless of its credibility, I feel like it was a creative way to continue this franchise moving forward. And I, and I really appreciate the way it handled that. Uh, and disappointingly again I can tell that the practical effects work has suffered with the lack of Tom Savini's involvement it's really really noticeable but 
overall, I feel in terms of 80s slasher for somebody who wasn't in the 80s slasher era, it's a really weird one to describe because I'm aware of what 80s slasher should be and how I should want to watch them. So if I'm somebody who is now sat in 2023 saying, I'm going to go watch an 80s slasher, this is that perfect 80s slasher. Whether that would be appreciated in the same way in the 80s when it came out is a, is a different story altogether, something that I can't really pass judgment on. But for what it is, and in, in, in overall comparison to everything else that I know of this franchise, I think, I think this is a pretty solid entry. It's just a shame that we spent so much time wasted on the introduction and recap from the first film and then the 20 minutes in between wasted on cannon fodder introduction. Yeah. yeah, and just talking bollocks and, and and introducing characters that, let's be honest, nobody really give a shit about and we all just wanted... We just want them to die. It's a Friday the 13th film and even though this was only part two, everybody knew why they were going to cinemas to see this film. They wanted a scary film and it it felt like it just took too long to get to where it should get going. Been. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just didn't feel like it was in the right place or the right time in terms of, of what it was. It was a film where everybody wanted to go to the cinema and eat some popcorn and watch a slasher. And that's why, that's why I'm confused by whether that's because that's what I know it should be or whether that's how it was perceived back in the day. But it just feels like, Ooh, it's a Friday the 13th film. Let's go to the cinema and let's go get jump scary. But that's yeah. what we got in the last 20 minutes. And the last 20 minutes was fantastic. It really, really was. It was a very, very solid camp slasher. Um, it just took a little bit too long to get there. Probably similar with my roundup. So I'm just going to cut this off now. <laughs> <so at least, laughs> I cut this off now and say, I'm going to give this uh, a three and a half. For all its sins, I still really like this film for what it is. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed this rewatch. I had a lot of fun with the rewatch. Um, the kills are solid. Uh, Mark being the best by miles for me um controversial hot take Ginny is not my final girl she made stupid decision after stupid decision and in my opinion survived through more through luck than any kind of judgment um I would quite happily have had Jason take her out and kill her and not have her put in the ambulance at the end um like Heather Sackhead Jason's okay but he's not what I know Jason to be so I picked up Friday the 13th. My first ever Friday the 13th was part three. And I kind of went on from there. And I didn't watch part one and two till much later. So for me, that's not what I know this installment for. And Sackhead Jason's like a, that's all right. It's not a hockey mask, but it's okay. Um, it's a good sequel, but it's an average slasher movie. And honestly, there's so many people who rave about this and they say it's their favourite in the franchise. And I don't think it's the masterpiece that other people do. This is a six out of ten for me. That's a fair score. I don't think any film in this franchise is going to reach that masterpiece level. Um, for what it is for me, putting it at the top of the franchise is a, is a fair is a fair ranking. I think from what I've seen so far, I don't think this is going to get much better from this point on. Oh no, it does. It definitely gets better. It's Good. loads better. I hope yeah. so. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, if you want to watch this in the UK, it's free on Paramount Plus if you've got a subscription. Um, if not, you can rent it everywhere else. Uh, for our friends over the pond, it's free on Fubu, which I've never heard of, uh, and Stars, or you can rent it again 
wherever you want to get it. Um, anagram time. Mark, what's the answer from last week's anagram? Because lots of people struggled this week. Last week, anagram. Last week, last week's anagram was Tanner's knife. Um, for those of you who was luckily enough to get it correct, the answer was Frankenstein or Frankenstein. Yeah. And last week, Mark didn't give me the answer, so I had to solve it also. So I played along too. And how long did it take you? Uh, longer than I would have liked to have spent doing it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, which brings us to this week's. Uh, this week's is the Chronic Fondola. I'm and sorry, the what? The, the Chronic Fondola. And that is spelled the T H E Chronic C H R O N I C R O N I C. That's correct. Yeah. And Fondola, which is F O N. E-L-E-R. Make sure you write that down as I've read them out to you. Um, how are we looking? How are we looking with scores? Have we got some successful uh, people? Some we, not so successful people? We put a scoreboard out last week and there was four people who are tied. Um, when this episode comes out, those four people are not tied. One got it wrong and one didn't answer it. Oh, okay. So we're starting to see some movement. In we're start, starting to see some movement. I think... The more we go on, the more that movement is going to be. And the people who are at the top are eventually going to get one wrong or they're going to miss a week. So I think I think there's going to be some changes. I've dropped a pretty hard one in here this week just to try and break up the masses because I knew the week before everyone was sort of collectively sticking together in the lane. So this is quite a difficult one to try and separate the men from the boys. Um, So you'll see how you get on with this one and then we will... We'll reevaluate whether I need to dumb it down a little bit for you next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're back on Friday with our other show, which is the You Run podcast, Horror Movie News. I'm saying the full name because it's a separate podcast. I had someone message me this week going, I can't find your news episode. I was like, where are you looking? They're like, on your show. No, no, no. We have two shows. So it's a separate <laughs> podcast and you need to go and look for it. You can either go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in You Run podcast, Horror Movie News, or... Go to our website, yourunpodcast.com, because I've sorted all the links out now and got all the new logos and we've had a bit of a revamp. And just click on it there and you can listen to it there. Um, On this show, we discuss another first watch for Mark next week as we look at 2022's Prey. I'm very excited for Prey. I've got lots to say about Prey. I've been wanting to watch it for a while, but I've just kept putting it off. So I'm glad that it's come around on the show. Yeah, I, I like it when that happens because that happens a lot to us where we'll go, oh, I don't really fancy that. And then it'll get picked on the show and we watch it and go, that's amazing. Why did we wait so long to watch it? Yeah, yeah, that's usually the case. Um, thank you all for listening. Don't forget that you can call the show and leave us a voicemail either on our website, yourunpodcast.com or by sending us an audio DM on Instagram. You can also make a TikTok talking directly to us and tag us in it and i will use that audio on the air as well and that is exactly what's happened this week as we have a message just for mark for fuck's sake why are they always for me uh this is an uh, an ongoing debate that you're having with one of our listeners um and I'll, i'll just play the message to you hold on scott do me a favor here tell mark to leave the queen's name out his mouth. How many times has he probably referenced? I'm done with it. I'm done with the trash talking. And he even went and said an episode of Buffy. 
So he's coming at the show now. He's coming at he's coming at the show now. That's when I get real defensive. All right. But I love you guys. Um I don't really like Hell House LLC. Uh I don't like found footage. Kiss me. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't get me. But it was fun listening to you guys talk about it. Except that he won't leave Buffy out his mouth. <laughs> Anyways, have a great well. Love ya. Uh, do you know what the funny thing about that is? She put a poll on her stories literally before we sat down recording tonight of like a picture of Angel, not Angel, I think it was Spike and, and Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, I can't remember what the other guy's actor's name's called. And she's like, oh, so iconic. Um, obviously, the, 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 she's got a new TV series out and I'm assuming he's in it and they've took a photo together at the premiere. She's like, oh, so iconic. It's making me want to watch Buffy again. And then she put a poll like, shall I watch it again? I immediately just clicked Nope. <laughs> You're a mean man. You're a very, very mean man. Uh, that's the Miller Jimenez crew. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for continuing to call Mark out on his unwarranted, unwanted <laughs> Buffy hate. Um, we know Mark hates Buffy. And I, I don't know. I just don't get it. It's just, just mean. He hates the movie. He hates the series. He just, he's just not a nice guy. Don't try and turn people against me, man. Don't you go there. <laughs> uh, uh, so all turn against Mark and go and buy a Team Jaws t-shirt on Um Anyway, thank you very much for listening. We will catch you all next week and we're back on Friday with news and we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Before you forget, you want to die tonight? The cheaper, nastier, the better for me. Would you have stayed after this? Sorry, man. I was completely off guard there. He's in his coffin. He's the undead. This was the best bit of the film. This is not the last time someone's going to steal your man. Yeah, Mark's not a nice guy. But you didn't notice this scene. It looks like he's got an extra leg. Yeah, I've got nothing. I've literally got nothing here. Surely that would even worse. The more listeners we have, the worse that's going to be. Yeah, but I would just get a new phone. Oh, I tell a lie, actually. Yeah, because we used to have um, teletext. Art the Clown makes Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees look like pussies. I can only assume that this was due to budgetary reasons and they couldn't afford enough extras. Are you going to have Buster Rhymes in your list of characters? Mate, I can't believe you don't know Idle Hands. I'm going to ram my foot down this fucking throat. <laughs> it was awesome. It fucking wasn't <laughs> awesome! <laughs>